We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to another week of the AFC East Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. We've got Q42 Barbecue's Iman Azizi in studio with us, and we are here talking about week. 17, week 16, and New Year's resolutions. Iman, New Year's resolutions are stupid, right? They're very stupid. I I remember being a guy who was 348 pounds. And I'll, I'll never forget the night. It was after a meeting with my doctor, and then I'm working summers. I, you know, I'm home from college. And being in my driveway, my parents lived about 1,000 feet off the road. And I had just gotten home after shutting down Mighty Taco and then going to have a bunch of beers and play some video games with some of my friends. It was probably about one o'clock in the morning when I got home and being half in the bag and thinking to myself, I got to do something and jogging my driveway as a 350 pound guy jogging the driveway, just laps back and forth. And then eventually just kind of keeling over in the grass. (laughs) And I remember this thing of being like, I have to do this, though. I have to get up, and I have to run at least five more times. I don't know if I was the number, but I have to run five more times. It, it just took a, a moment of reflection and just me deciding I wanted something different for myself to start the whole fitness thing, which then led to me going to the gym, which then led to me shedding a lot of weight, and now I am where I am. I didn't need a holiday. I didn't need... A whole bunch of things. And and it, and it wasn't like I needed those things to reaffirm all of these beliefs or all these decisions I'd made. There's parties. My friend, you, you've you all met Dan. Chris, you know Dan? <clears throat> Heard of him. Parties at Dan's house where I would come and I, thanks to the way my father raised me, I was always the first person awake. Because I can drink until 4 a.m. I will be up at 6.30, 7 o'clock. <laughs> I, I might be the I might be a uh, 
just a hangover walking. Just a hangover with legs. I'm on my feet by 6.30, 7 o'clock every single morning, regardless of how late I stay out. There were nights where we'd go to Dan's house, throw parties. I'd go to my car at 6 o'clock in the morning, 5.45, and in my, I'd change into my gym clothes, and I'd be out in his driveway doing knuckle push-ups and planks and running his driveway. And I got, I'd get caught every now and again by people who would be like, what are you doing? And I go, no, you don't understand. I'm just trying to do something different. I feel like it shouldn't take a holiday for you to decide you want to be different. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't take a ball dropping. Like, how stupid does that sound? Oh, it's coming down the stick. Why well, should change my life? What, what are we talking about? And that's one of the themes of tonight's show. There are changes. Like, change for no reason is stupid. But at the same time, as sports fans, I think we've all learned things from year to year that we'd like to change about our behavior. And I think that that's something I'd like to know about each one of our guests tonight. And we start with Mr. Christian Simonelli, who joins us to talk about the New England Patriots. Christian, first of all, how was your Christmas? And are you a resolution person? Christmas was excellent. Thank you. I'm sure you guys was as well. Um, This is just a perfect intro for you guys and a perfect conversation because I actually had this very conversation with my wife today when she asked me, what should our New Year's resolutions be? And with the straightest of face, I turned to her and said, we're adults. Grow up. <laughs> and she just blurted up laughing right in my face. <laughs> <laughs> we're adults. So we don't make, we don't make resolutions here. We're lockstepping a lot. <laughs> it really does. It's either you. There is no try, right? There's like, well, in this year, I'm going to try to do this. So no, no, no. You either do or you don't. That's life. What success story documentary have we seen that was like, well, I had a New Year's resolution. <laughs> And then we're all like, cheer them. Like, it's not happening. Never, not one. <laughs> not, not a single one. <laughs> like, self-help books. Like, that's that's one of those things. Like, self-help books. The guys who write those are probably resolutioners. I, I don't believe in it. Every gym everywhere for the next month and a half is going to be full of guys who decided that because the clock, just because the odometer rolled over on the ear, they have to go to the gym? That's stupid. You either do it because you like it or you don't. Just don't do it. <laughs> I don't understand. So as a sports fan, as just a sports fan, what is one thing you would like to change about yourself in the upcoming year? Well, considering how, how negative I've been this year, and, and I know that we're in for a rebuild here in New England, I, I, I would like to be more positive than I have been and, and look at you know, look at maybe not, sort of more focus on performances rather than the overall team, which is what I've been doing this year. And there's a local reporter here, Mike Reese, who covers the Patriots. He's been doing it for like 30 years. He actually started at the Patriots, and he always puts out this little notes uh, uh, on X. It's like a, it's like four pages that he writes in the notes app, and then he posts it. And he always finds like a silver lining for that week, whether it's a play or whether it was a, you know player that stood out. Um, so maybe focus more on that because it is going to be a little while till we're relevant again. Um, and I, <laughs> you know, I just I focus on the individual performances and, and I just, the, the, you know, when you win for 20 years, it's very cliche to say, but you, you just get used to it. You expect it. 
And it's just the norm. It's 13, 14 wins, and the AFC Championship game is going to either be home or on the road. But, but, but we'll be there. We'll, we'll be there. It's just a matter of where it'll be. Um, I'm not used to losing. <laughs> you're not used to I'm being used to sucking. So. You, you're not used to being in the shallow end of the pool, watching everybody else having fun. <laughs> nope. It's standing there up to my waist while everybody else is swimming, having a good time. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a really sad scene, but I'm not going to lie. I'm happy most of your fan base is having it because I feel like you guys have had this coming for a while. I've I have always felt someone in oh, Boston, yeah, yeah. So, you sold your soul to the devil. For the Red Sox, Celtics, and Patriots to all be good for a little while. It's like it all happened at the same time. <laughs> it's like I was living in St. Louis when the... Yeah, the, I mean, the, it really... In, in, in. I was in St. Louis at the time the, the Sox beat the Cardinals. I was like, holy crap, something's <laughs> changing. Because they were like, oh, it can't, the Red Sox beat the Yankees, but they're definitely not going to win the series. Yeah. Why would they? The, the, the Red Sox still. In the first year you guys were in the uh, Super Bowl, you had Troy Brown. I went to Marshall <laughs> University. All of Huntington, West Virginia was like, oh, the Patriots are awesome. Let's root for these guys. I, I, now as a Bill, I just, that was the start. That was where it started. <laughs> now look at you, though. All three teams yeah, that, are kind of in this same uh, oh, cycle yeah. of like, hey... All of a sudden, we're finding out it's not as easy as it was to just put together these awesome rosters. It's not as easy to get the talent that we used to get. All of a sudden, we're all underwhelming at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I think looking back, and, and you know, Iman's right, like, it, we really have really did sort of sell our souls to the devil for this past <laughs> early 20-year run. And, and, I, and I look at it, though, honestly, as good as all those teams were, you go back, there's an awful lot of luck involved with with teams that, that had an off year or guys that got injured. Not that I'm saying that they didn't beat the best teams a lot of the time, but when you look back at a lot of the seasons, the, you know, it is true. When you win a Super Bowl, you, you got to get lucky, too. You know, there's there's got to be some luck involved in it, and there was certainly luck involved in, in those championships. Well, I mean, look, look at Christian's Twitter AVI. It's him shaking hands with Robert Kraft. That's the guy. That's the guy who sold his soul to the devil. Ah, the good old days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did actually. It's funny you mention that. Now I'll look at that. Look at that picture in the whole different lights. <laughs> right, you shook hands with the guy who sold his soul to the devil. Now, what I love is that yep. you guys got yourselves and the Buffalo Bills a Christmas miracle. I love it. Like for those who need context to this. <laughs> Patriots fans must have been bad, or maybe Santa knows about the deal Robert Kraft struck, <laughs> because the NFL gods have been gift-wrapping nothing but chewed gum, used Kleenex, and dog feces under the New England Faithful's Christmas tree for the last, like, three or four seasons. <laughs> Every single Christmas, you guys just get dunked on. 2022, Stevenson fumbles at the goal line against Cincy and costs you guys a shot at the playoffs. 2021, Yeah, the Bills just come into Foxborough and steal the division back. Like, just steal the division back with Isaiah McKenzie. Chris, Isaiah McKenzie yeah. having his only 100-yard game as a pro? Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> 2020, Cam Newton and Jared Stidham combined for 78 yards passing in a 38-9 loss after Christmas to the Buffalo Bills. 2019, 
remember that one well. Yeah, 2019, in the best exit to the NFL you could ever ask for, Ryan Fitzpatrick goes on the road to New England with Miami and upsets the Patriots at the gun to force them into the wild card round where they'd inevitably lose in dominating fashion to the Tennessee Titans. And Brady's career as a Patriot ends with his last throw being a pick six. <laughs> you know, the butterfly effect from that game is that Devontae Parker absolutely smoked Stephon Gilmore in that Miami game. Yep. <laughs> and that's ultimately what led Bill to sign and sign Devontae Parker to an extension. <laughs> I firmly believe that. I'll firmly go to my grave believing that. Oh, my God. That's exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was a good. So it was good for me to watch you guys finally pull one of these games out and not have it become a disaster. The annual Christmas game that blows up in the face of the Patriots fans didn't happen this year. And it helped the Buffalo Bills in the process. Now, here's the thing. The stones on that kicker. (laughs) Chad Ryland's been up and down all year, hasn't he? Oh, God. He's like, he was like 13 of 20 before that kick, before the game winning kick. He's been (laughs) awful. (laughs) <laughs> I thought he was going to pee down his leg and miss it wide left or right. <laughs> and then he hammers it. Oh, and he drilled it. <laughs> and it's just one. That thing would have been good from an extra seven or eight yards, maybe ten yards. Look, sure looked it. Here's the question. When that game's going on, what are your emotions? Are you conflicted because you're like, I want to see him win, but also the draft capital? Ah, fuck. Well, I'm sitting on my couch and like I'm getting excited and my butt's tightening, you know, because I'm getting excited and I'm sitting up and I'm like, why, why am I getting excited? What, 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 what am I watching? Like, what? And then he kicks the field goal and I like pump my fist and I'm like, what am I doing? No. Like, I was like Gollum. I was like Gollum in Lord of the Rings. I was talking to the water one minute and the wall the next. I, just, I, I, could, I, I didn't know what to do with myself, you know? And then I woke up the next morning and I just blasted I just blasted Twitter. I'm like, yeah, nice win. Yeah, great. Nice. Destroyed our draft status. Got to nice start getting to the top two guys in this draft. Awesome. Hey, here's the crazy thing. Did you think when you guys won the game and you went to sleep that night, that game would be the end of the Russell Wilson era in Denver. Ooh, like yeah, that you right. guys have killed Russell Wilson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Bill's got a lot of pelts on his wall, and I guess you can just put another one up there. Um, yeah, pretty pretty much. I mean, what they'll probably release him. Yeah, so it's it's didn't see that one coming. Um, I figured they would. The Patriots are just so undermanned that Russell Wilson was going to like Russell Wilson look like Russell Wilson used to look and. They'd win going away, but obviously didn't happen. Now, here's the thing. This week, this week, Bilicek himself, you know, everyone decried the Tom Curran report that we talked about a week or two ago about his future. And then this week, right, Bill Belichick himself expressed some doubt to various outlets and reporters, well, or at least to someone who leaked it to reporters about his future in New England. Tell me that with the cap space and the draft capital that you guys are going to have, the, he, the New England Patriots are not a attractive spot for a head coach to land. In fact, if you were to power rank it, 
I'd put New England number one. Where do you see them in the hierarchy in terms of being able to hire the next head coach of the New England Patriots? You know, uh, it, you have to think of the openings in the league, right? Like, what are the other what, what are the other jobs that are going to be there? So we know the Chargers' job is going to be open, attractive because of Herbert. Um, but also, but also the, Indianapolis is prob- But also, if they if they if the Chargers restructure every contract that's available on their books, they're still twenty four million dollars over the cap. That's very <laughs> Yeah, they right. Right, they're a mess, yeah. cap wise. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, um, so yeah, I mean, if, if you look at uh, the cap space, and you know, you still look at this ownership as, as one of the premier ownerships in the league, which which I do. Like, you know, the crafts obviously have a lot of sway within in in in, in the NFL, and and you know, Robert is on a bunch of you know committees, including the TV committee and all that, and and you know they. They run the organization, I think, very well. You know, they run it like a, an NFL team. Um, should be run, in my opinion. They obviously held on to Bill too long, but this cup is pretty bare. I mean, you, you, you look at the defense, and this past draft was focused heavily on defense, but the offense, this it's very bare. And we got it. There are a ton of guys that that are up this year that I don't necessarily see see them coming back. You need a starting wide receiver. You're going to need a starting tight end. The offensive line's a mess. Yeah, and by the way, you don't have a quarterback. So you, you better have a guy that is willing to come in here and be the guy that follows Bill Belichick. You know, usually you like to be the guy that uh, followed the guy that followed the guy, right? You want to be that other guy. You want to be the third guy. Yeah. You don't want to be the guy that follows Bill. It's um, almost like comedy. So I don't if know a guy how attractive kills. it is from that standpoint. I was going to say, it's like comedy. When a guy kills, you don't want to be the guy going up right up after him. <laughs> because right. unfair or not, you're going to get measured against him. Now, does it help that Bill hasn't been, you know, and uh, successful in, in these past with, with Albright? Yeah, I mean, that does, I guess, soften the blow a little bit. But the attractiveness here is that ownership and the cap space. But from from a, from a talent standpoint... I said this to you guys in August. You know, this is this is clearly you know the, the fourth most talented team in the division. I'm not even talking about just the division. They're they're dead last in talent compared to the other three teams. Well, it'll be on whoever inherits this mess next. And all I can all I can hope is that you and Mark Schofield are willing to come on our show and talk all about this when they inevitably fire him. We're going to do a whole extravaganza for it. There's going to be fireworks. We're going to get dancers. Oh, uh, (laughs) it's going to be a mess (laughs) until then. What would you do if the bills bob out in the first round and they turn around and hire bill? We talked about this already. I said it would be, I would say McDermott just pees down his leg. (laughs) I said that it would be every bills fans nightmare scenario that the bills fire McDermott, bring in, bring in bill Belichick he wins us the Super Bowl, and now we have to build a statue to the guy. <laughs> and his name is on the oh, wall of God. fame. And I have to see him every time. Like, every time we play the Patriots, someone would have to come out there and put a bag over the statue's head. But that's it. That's all you can do. <laughs> and I would have to live with that for the rest of my life. <laughs> no, there, it would be a... Oh, God willing, in the Crick Dome Rise, we figure out how to do it without, without that ever being an option. Christian, we love you. Tell everybody where they can follow you on social media so that we can, they can get to experience you the way we have. 
Love you guys too. Thanks. I always enjoy coming on uh, at Chris with a T I A N on X. Give me a follow, and I'll give you a follow back, and uh, we can have a ball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So that brings us to talking about the New York Jets, who narrowly, narrowly defeated the Washington Commanders 30-28. to And to talk all about how excited he is that they dug this one out is Mr. Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet. Well, Drew, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a gentleman by the name of Stephen Stills. He probably made his bones best uh, with Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and a little group called Buffalo Springfield with a young young Neil Young. But there's a line in one of his songs, or one of the songs that he wrote and sang for Crosby, Stills, and Nash called Southern Cross. And the line is, they never fail to fail because it was the easiest thing to do. That's the Jets. They never fail to fail. It's the easiest thing to do. Christmas Eve, they could have. They were sitting right there, dude. They would have had the fourth pick. And then when the Patriots lost, excuse me, when they won later, you could have been sitting there going, man, if the Patriots can just beat them, that final game, it would be Belichick sticking it to Kraft on his way out the door. The Jets could slide into the number three spot. Drake May sitting on the board. They can auction that pick off and get a ton help Aaron Rodgers try and contend in 2024. And it was all set up perfectly with them collapsing late in the game, making it 28-27. Jacoby Brissett looking like prime Dan Marino. And then, of course, they had to get that field goal and win, knock themselves down to number nine. And probably now the best they're going to do is like eight or nine. They're not going to get anything close to a big haul to trade down. And I don't want to get too into it, but I'm just so tired of people getting like, you don't, you have a loser mentality. That, I mean, uh, it doesn't matter how high you pick. I mean, this guy went at this spot and this guy. And it's like, yeah, I get it. But by, by that logic, who cares? You might as well pick in the seventh round because as long as the guy you have making the picks is, knows what he's doing, it doesn't matter what number you pick. Like, you have to understand the stupidity of that. Like, yeah, Tom Brady went in the sixth round and, like, Jameis Winston went first. I get it. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a much greater chance of picking – a quality superstar or getting more picks to trade back. If you're picking higher up, I don't know why this is tough for people to understand. And there's no such thing as like end of season momentum. Like the jets won, I think it was like seven of their last eight or nine or something. Their first year under Adam Gase. And then we're two and 14 the next year. Talk to the other New Jersey franchise, uh, the giants about end of season momentum. It doesn't exist. Now here's the thing. For everybody who's bitching 
about like, oh, well, you know, we'd rather have the win than the loss for the draft. You guys got Sauce Gardner in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. Do you know who you were able to take because you were a bad football team the year before in the second round? His name is Brees Hall. Would yeah, you argue well, that would you argue that you're a better football team because you have Brees Hall? Well, actually, to be fair, that pick, if I'm not mistaken, was actually the pick they got from Carolina. They and they ended up moving up to get Brees Hall. The other second round pick they used to move up and get Jermaine Johnson. But, but your point is still you well in, taken. But it puts you in in the position to have that. Right. And and also look again. People will say, well, look, here's an example of this guy went fifth, but this guy went 10th, and the guy that went 10th is better. And it's like, yeah, but if you statistically look at which spot, like the higher up you go, the better chance you have of hitting on the pick. It's just that simple. Yeah, there's outliers where a guy's not going to be as good at number two as the guy at number 12 or whatever. Yeah. I get it. But when it comes to a year-to-year thing, and especially in a draft like this where you already know – that there's two quarterbacks that are going to go in the top three that are going to either, you know, be drafted by whoever's in those spots or be able to auction those picks off for a fortune. And you've got a generational wide receiver prospect in Marvin Harrison. Those are the top three guys. Well, and that's it. And so you missed not understand. But yeah. you missed the boat on some game-changing talent, and now you're just going to have to be where the Bills were for right. 20 years of just, but, hey – some guy will slide to the back of the 10 and you just have to hope that he's not an Aaron Maben. Because well, he... right, and, and that's what drives me nuts too because people will say, well, I mean, the, the Bills got Josh Allen at number six and he was the best quarterback in the draft. And, we had a I mean, decade of bums! A decade of a parade! <laughs> and we traded up for that pick. We could be... Right, well, that, and that's the other right thing now. I always say. I, I tell people because they go, oh, well, look at all the times the Jets tanked and what good did it do? I go, yeah, the, the reason is because they didn't tank enough. Like, Dude, in 2018, the year we're talking about with Josh Allen, the Jets wound up sixth. Because of that, they had to give up three second-round picks to move up. Second-round picks that ended up being used by Indianapolis to take Darius Leonard and Braden Smith. Smith, who's been a mainstay on that O-line ever since. And Darius Leonard, I know he had a fall from grace because of the injuries, but at one point he was arguably the best inside linebacker in the sport. So, like, I don't, it just bothers me. Like, look, root for what you want. I'm not the fan police. If you want to root for games that I, I think are kind of meaningless, that's fine. If your whole thing is I can't root against my team or blah, 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 that's totally cool. But don't be yelling at me like, oh, yeah, how could you root against the team? It's like because I see the forest from the trees, man. I don't know what to tell you. It's fine <laughs> if you disagree with me. That's totally cool. But I'm I'm trying to take the long view here. I, I will give you this. You want some fodder for playlikeajet.com? Iman and I will give it to you. You join, you call us on like a Friday night. Iman and I will bring a bottle of Wild Turkey 101, yeah. and we will we will build a parade of the drought era Bills draft picks. For oh you. yeah, and so that your fan base can understand what being a middling team gets you. I'm blocked by like three people on Twitter. One is one of our top picks, Dante Hitner, <laughs> blocked me on Twitter. Oh, dude, Dante Whitner, uh, listen. That dude now, he works for like NBC Sports Bay Area doing Niner stuff. Yeah. I can't even begin to describe to you what a 
absolute loser this guy is. <laughs> First of all, did you hear the stuff he was talking about with Dak Prescott? Dak Prescott sucks, bro. It's like learn how to cover somebody, and then maybe I'll listen to you about well, Dak Prescott. <laughs> and then he's like, and then if you criticize him on social media, his only comeback is, "When I see you, I'll hit you." And it's like, I bet you will, but you might miss given your percentages. Like, give me, <laughs> give me your percentages, you probably miss me, dude. Do you know what this guy said on Thanksgiving? I'm not making this up. He was doing, I think it was the post game for because the, the 49ers won on Thanksgiving. They were going around the table. What are you thankful for? This guy says, I'm thankful that I'm still totally ripped and jacked. <laughs> Who the hell says that? That's awesome. What is the matter with this guy? It's topical. I the, the thing that got me, he blocked me, was a Jets game here when LT ran all over <laughs> us. Like the Bills came out looking like a JV team, and you guys came out looking like world beaters. What was that, 09? 09. Yeah. No, 2010. Uh, Tomlinson 2010. wasn't here in 09. Okay. Because it was okay. like raining and 38 degrees. It was terrible. <laughs> I had non-alcohol seats Not in the 226 <laughs> section. So Scott. Prime Buffalo weather. So Scott. Uh, by, by the way, Iman, uh, you got to come on Play Like a Jet and talk about playing jazz records with Chad Pennington sometime. Oh, it was blues. It was it was CP oh, in the blues. I'm sorry. It was CP in the blues was his show. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I love it. You see, this I enjoy like, talking to you guys way too much. There's a throw line here where we could do a whole off-season series about nothing. We could be off-season Seinfeld and just make this a thing. One of the tenets of tonight's show is we've been asking everybody about resolutions. I think they're worthless. I think that you shouldn't need a holiday to tell you to better yourself. How do you feel about resolutions? And as a sports fan, do you have one for 2024? Well, I'll say this about resolutions. I've always said this. I feel like if it wasn't for New Year's resolutions, like 95% of fitness centers and gyms wouldn't be in business. Because what happens is people go, oh, when the New Year comes, I'm going to lose 35 pounds, right? So they go and they sign up for like a year at the the, uh, gym, at whatever gym it is. And then they go for like a month and then they're like, ah, I, don't, I don't really want to do this anymore. My friend used to make me laugh because he had one of those Planet Fitness black cards. So he'd be like, oh, you should come with me. I'm like, all right. So I'd go with him sometimes because I, I have my own setup at home. But he wanted me to come with him. So I went and he would just stand there and be like, look at all these tubbies who made New Year's resolutions. And now that he's like, I bet you a month from now they're not going to be here. And I would just like laugh. I'm like, dude, you are vicious. But I think that's a big part of what New Year's resolutions are. It's people trying to make false promises to themselves. As far as the Jets, though, listen, I think we all know what's going on. Before the game, and I thought this was hilarious because it was on the day that the Jets came this close to blowing a 20-point lead in the fourth quarter to an absolutely terrible Washington team. Woody Johnson came out that morning and said, Salah, Hackett, Douglas, we're running it back. It doesn't matter what happens, we're running it back. (laughs) And so they almost blew it on that day. And look, I think what it ultimately comes down to is, you know, we've talked about this a bunch of times. What I think happened with the Aaron Rodgers injury in a lot of ways is it exposed that this team was nowhere near as close as people were hoping they were. I don't think people understood how poor the receiving weapons were outside of Garrett Wilson. I mean, Tyler Conklin's okay. He's a solid tight end. People overrate him just because the Jets have had such terrible tight ends. Like we're watching Ryan Griffin for the longest time, guys like that. 
But the, the, other than Garrett Wilson, Al Lazard stinks, right? They were using undrafted free agents. So they have at least one, probably two significant upgrades they need to make there. On the offensive line, even when these guys were healthy, look, Dwayne Brown was bad and then he got hurt and then he was bad and then he got hurt. Makai Becton's not going to be here. I like Makai Becton, thought he had tremendous potential. Still think he has a chance to be a good player. It's just not going to work out for him here. So the Jets are going to need two new tackles. Plus, Elijah Vera Tucker missed 22 out of 34 games the last two years. So as good as he is, you've got to have a premium backup in place there. Lakin Tomlinson has been horrendous, so they're stuck with him probably because he would take on such a huge dead cap number if they got rid of him. So, so the Jets have to rebuild almost, you know, what, three-fifths of that offensive line, and they've got to get probably two legitimate significant upgrades in terms of pass catchers. And they have to hope that 41-year-old Aaron Rodgers is in a shell of himself. Because I was saying this the other day, Drew, and you guys will appreciate this. Look, let's say Aaron Rodgers at his peak was elite like Iman's Kansas City barbecue sauce, right? Like top of the heap, absolute best, right? Well, if Aaron Rodgers comes back. We do it for the brand. That's right. You know me. I'm a a team player if nothing else. But in all seriousness, it's not just because he's sitting there. Iman's Kansas City sauce is the goods. Go buy it. But that would help. That would help. That would help. (laughs) If Aaron Rodgers is only like a good, not great quarterback, because somebody asked me this on Twitter, they said, if Aaron Rodgers comes back and he's still like a top 12 to 15 quarterback, that's still like way better than what the Jets have had, right? And I said, sure. The problem is the entire plan has been that they have this elite quarterback that can cover up mistakes. Well, if Aaron Rodgers is only good but not great, now all of a sudden he's not going to be able to cover up anything close to what they expected. So Joe Douglas and, and Robert Sal and all of them have a very difficult offseason ahead of them. And I think, Drew, you'll appreciate this. A lot of times fans of teams don't look at these things rationally in the sense of they'll say, well, this guy, this guy, this guy is available. I had a laugh because somebody posted and it went viral and I, w- I just laughed. It said, like, here's how the Jets can fix the team in the offseason. It was like, sign Jonah Williams, three years, 45 million. Sign T. Higgins for three years, whatever. <laughs> sign, uh, who was it? I forget. There was, uh, Robert Hunt from the Dolphins, whatever. Sign Ryan Tannehill. So I, was, I think I quote tweeted and said, Yes, I agree. If the Jets can sign every single good available free agent at an affordable <laughs> price, then no problem. They'll be awesome next year. Like, I think that people don't understand how tough this is going to be, especially since the Jets don't have a second round pick, which is another reason why I wanted them to have a really high first rounder, because if they auctioned it off, they could have put together a variety of different picks where they could have filled holes. Offensive line, we both know this. The odds of getting quality starting tackles in free agency is just – it's very slim. So We've especially been burned. Two, like, We've been burned. The, yeah. You, your point isn't lost on us. It is very hard to rebuild. Yeah. But also when there's guys out there who you know who you could have called, who could have made your season easier and then didn't, that gets harder. So as yeah. we let you go, I want lightning round your two-minute thoughts – Okay. Jets didn't call Joe Flacco. (laughs) He was in your building. He insists he has no regrets over the fact that you guys didn't want him. 
And now you watch him just putting on a clinic and carrying an NFC North team into a 10-win season and a playoff berth and all these things. It has to be a little frustrating, doesn't it? Well, listen, to be fair, you guys were all at – or actually, Iman, I don't think you were there last year. I think you missed that game. But when the Bills played the Jets last year in Buffalo, you guys saw Joe Flacco when he came into that game. He was a statue. He looked like he had one foot in the grave. And I don't blame Robert Sala and Joe Douglas for trusting their eyes. Like, we all saw Flacco last year. Behind this Jet offensive line, he'd have been on injured reserve in about five minutes. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. So that's that's probably the Cliff Notes version of like, hey, if we had started him, he would be bad. It's every Bills fan. Like, oh, well, if well, we only had that yeah. guy. And it's like, yeah, but during the drought, well, we well, did normally, this. Well, normally, to if be fair, normally, I think that's our offense. Well, during the drought, Bills fans did this thing where we go, oh, if that guy was just here, our team would be better. It's like, yeah, but who's throwing him the ball? Well, like, this is the thing, right? I think generally that ends up being an excuse because you'll hear Jets fans go, well, if they drafted Josh Allen, they would have ruined him. And I'm like, I suppose that's possible. But I'm going to go ahead and say there's a very slim chance he'd have been worse than what we ended up seeing with Darnold as a Jet. And so kind of my thought on Flacco is it's a little different, though, because he literally was here. They saw him in practice every day. They saw what he put on tape. And so if they watched all that, and it wasn't the first time he was here, by the way. So if they watched all that and we all saw it and they were like, yeah, I don't think so. I think Joe's practically retired. I can't really fault them for that. It's a little different if it had been a situation where, like, let's say he had played for Hackett or something two years ago and he hadn't been here. And it was just like, oh, he was called Joe Flacco. So I can't get too mad about it. Flacco probably made a New Year's resolution last year after his <laughs> stint with the Jets. And that's what happened. You know, you, I have it on good authority, Iman, that what revived his career is he ordered a case of your Kansas City barbecue <laughs> sauce. And it was like Popeye with spinach. All of a sudden he had superpowers. <laughs> Q42 will do that to you. Scott, we love you. <laughs> Tell everybody where they can follow your work on social media and where they can find you on the web. So, excellent question, Shelton. You can find <laughs> me on social media at Play Like a Jet One, where you can see people getting upset with me because I posted that I like the movie The Iron Claw, which is about <laughs> the Von Erich family. And it's funny to me. Like, I get it if you're, it's weird. I felt like Iman for a second because Iman <laughs> will post about Doritos and then everybody, like, projects their anger on him for <laughs> it's like what do you mean you commie like how dare you talk about doritos or whatever it is that i, I post that i like the iron claw and it's like oh yeah well blah 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 wrestling's dumb and i'm like all right fine whatever but you can follow me on there it's mostly football every now and again i might tweet something funny about like tv or movies or something oh it's, I, you don't do anything serious on there it's it's a lot like drew and, and chris with the rock power report uh and obviously Iman's twitter account too you can listen to play like a jet seven days a week on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or Google or whatever it is you listen to podcasts on seven days a week, 365 days a year, which I believe Iman said to me when I saw him a couple of weeks ago, I don't think I could talk about anything seven days a week. <laughs> it may be Doritos, so you should try that out. So you can listen to the show there. We've got our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play like a jet. And beyond that, I've got, Two more games of Jets football to watch as we record this. The Jets 
decided that I didn't suffer enough this holiday season, so they're going to make me watch a second game in four days against the Browns. Mm. And then they finish things off against the Patriots and Bill Belichick, and I don't really even know how to feel about that one because I feel like, on the one hand, it would be nice to send Bill Belichick out of New England with a loss, but on the other hand, it would be the most Jets thing ever to somehow beat the Patriots, shove them into like the third pick where they get a franchise quarterback that haunts the Jets and the Bills for the next like 15 years. Christian Simonelli, Scott Mason, going to have Al Varchiag in about 15 minutes. I'm like out of names. They're like the NWO. Are they the Wolfpack? No, they're the, they're the, the normal NWO. We'll just call them great because we only have a couple weeks left of this. And then it's back to two shows a week. Chris is phoning it in. Iman, were you ever a wrestling fan? Only for the Nintendo game. That was the Nintendo game. Like that was, and I like the uh, the Iron Sheet because he was my only Iranian uh, like rep in America for like an influencer. Wait, <laughs> that's the best though. So you're uh, like, hey, not out of all, out of out of all of the guys that you could have like looked up to. Mm-hmm. You got one of the best. But I had to secretly like him. You don't understand what the atmosphere was like, man. Like, that was, that was dangerous to be a fan of the Sheik. Why? Living in America in the 80s and night, early 90s. Living in America. It, James Brown? It was, it was Hogan or death, man. Like, it was Hogan or death. Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> Isn't there like a, a, I think there's a tag match out there in the 80s. Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter against Nikolai Volkov. And the Iron Sheik. <laughs> did, I feel like that's a thing that happened. Did the Sheik ever win? Because I remember watching him in the finals a lot. Chris, give that a goog. Did did the Iron Sheik ever hold the title? He yes. Went, Ooh, all right. I need to get that T-shirt. Yeah, there it is. And you know he cussed everybody out afterwards. Yeah, he, never he was changed. quietly he was quietly one of the strongest people. Like, t- t- what was it, Terry Bowera? What is his actual name? Terry Bolea. Bolea. Hulk Hogan, strong guy. A lot of steroids involved. Big, strong dude. But if you want to talk about functional strength, not just, hey, my muscles are gigantic. Functional strength. Watching the Iron Sheik do that shoulder thing with those giant weights. Each one of those weights could vary anywhere from between 50 and 70 pounds. Iman, you were sweating holding the pot of sauce the other day. Yes, yeah. yeah, I got was. bad shoulders. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Burned my shoulder out throwing sidearm in Little League. Can you imagine holding a 70-pound weight and then just rotating it like this? No. For, you know. We got different Iranian grandparents, man. Yeah. DNA. Yeah, you came from a different gene pool altogether. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we are here talking about the Buffalo Bills, who just narrowly defeated the uh, Easton Stick-led Chargers. What was it, 24-22? Something like that. Yeah, Final on yeah, that? Yeah. And we're here talking about New Year's resolutions. And the, what I want to start with is the idea that, first of all, they're dumb. New Year's resolutions are one of the dumbest things I've ever heard of. Now, part of that's because as a narcissist, I believe I'm the best. I'm already the best. Why should I have to change? Also... Why, if you want to make change in your life, do you need a special day? Like, oh, I got to see a ball drop in order to decide I want to lose weight. What? I don't know. That sounds dumb, doesn't it, when I say it that way? 
Or when I say, hey, when the calendar rolls over and we get back to the number one all the way across the board. Well, I guess now is a good time for me to curtail my drinking because it's a problem for my family. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a good idea. That's not a good reason to do anything. You should do it because you want to do it. Fun fact, when I worked in the beer biz, January was the best selling month for all the cheap beers. (laughs) That was like when I worked on Bush and Natty, that was the push. Jan Feb because people had no money and they wanted they like <sighs> gave up on their resolution. They just gave up and then felt bad. <laughs> yeah, so they're like, well, I gave up. I felt bad. I've got no money. I might as well just get drunk on yeah. cheap beer. Here <laughs> comes here comes a Bud Dryad. <laughs> do 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 do. Drink Bud. Dry- oh my God, yeah. you you used to hawk some of the worst boozes. Oh yeah, Limeritas. <laughs> Your best damn root beer or whatever, or not your dad's root beer. Uh, what? Uh, didn't you pitch like Chilada something? Oh, yeah, carts? I worked on Cl- Clamato. It was awful. That was our initiation to work on the team. Clamato. Yeah. <laughs> Big tall boys. My initiation to work on the team. Yeah. What is this, like hazing, like a frat house? Yeah. Good Lord. We would, I would pour out. I did it. It was my idea. I made solo <laughs> cups of the four brands we worked on on the team at the time, and the last one was a big old thing of Clamato. And then we'd be like, you like it dipped in salt or not? They didn't know what was coming. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Chris, how do you feel about resolutions? Are you a resolutioner? Absolutely not. Just like uh, Christmas, and I'm not a fan of New Year's at all. Why? Not, it's the next day. Who gives a shit? The number... <laughs> <laughs> then we're celebrating the next day, except uh, a year change. Who gives a shit? I'm like not said, a fan hey, of do you it ce- at all. Do you celebrate the odometer rolling over? No? All right, well, then why? Like, oh, we hit another mark. <laughs> then why are you celebrating this? It's a day. I agree. I used to think New Year's was special. It really isn't. No. What, wait, wait. We just get to go back to January 1st, and now all of a sudden there's all these deadlines for shit that I have to do. The government and their annual th- their, their annual game of like, it's I love that the, the joke of it's like hey, the government's like hey you owe me money, okay well how much I don't know you figure it out okay what if I'm wrong well then you go to jail <laughs> like hey, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> New Year's is stupid and so are resolutions, but I will say that if I was gonna make them. New Year's resolution as a sports fan, as a sports fan, something I want to do better in the coming year, just as a person who watches sports, I think it probably had to be just buying into this whole thing of not arguing with people about sports and social media. Yeah, in you, fact, I'm not going to engage with anybody about it anymore. You keep getting banned now for... Well, <laughs> as we talked about in our recap show, I may or may not have not been able to live tweet about the outcome of the game the next morning because uh, I was indisposed. But with that put aside, first of all, the Internet, I say this a lot, the Internet was designed to bring people together and to share information. It's a great concept when you write it on paper. The problem is is that you forget two major tenets of human existence. One, most information is pointless. And two, most people are garbage. So all you're doing is you're actually creating a landfill when you allow people to get together. And I firmly believe that. So this cesspool that has become sports conversation online, I'm just, I'm going to abdicate. I'm done. I'm, I'm just not going to participate 
because I don't have anything constructive to add anyway. And I genuinely envy and at the same time feel bad for the people who do. Like when they make their bones or their brand is about how, hey, I'm going to Chris, what if our bones was interacting with the public? Remember when when I pitched the idea to you when we started this about how we should take callers? No. <laughs> Never. When I was like, hey, <laughs> we should we should like the AFC East Bros of old, we should allow listeners to call in and air their two cents. Chris goes, No, it'll just be you drunk and screaming for two hours. No, if someone wants to call in, call in a call in show. <laughs> d- d- don't do it here. It's a bad idea. We had the Twitter rooms or what was that? Spaces. Spaces. Yeah. We may, we'll, we'll probably bring that back in the offseason just for kicks. At least I will. Well, That's... phones went in a more advanced direction. Yeah. And they eliminated the audio jack port on phones. <laughs> That's it. That's all it took. Was phones getting too advanced for the Rock Power Report? Yeah. And because Chris and I are both elderly curmudgeons, we just went, meh. We are the two old guys from the Muppets just sitting in the balcony. You should have a P.O. box so people can... Mail stuff into you. No, you have no idea what's coming next season. If the, I was saying, if the Bills don't qualify for the playoffs, and I might do it anyway. Uh, Vince from Lackawanna was nice enough to turn me into a little piece of technology called Voice Over IP on the cheap. I'm going to bring back the WGR Winer line, except it's going to be ours, and you can call and say whatever you want, and we're not going to edit it. Well, if you say certain things, <laughs> we'll see. We'll find out where the line is. We're going to bring that back for the 2024 <laughs> season. But I'm not arguing with people on social media because you see the types of debates that start. Like, in the Bills fan base right now, two of the dumbest conversations are taking place. The first one is whether or not Josh Allen belongs in the MVP conversation and who deserves it. Is it is it Josh Allen? And then people go, well, Lamar Jackson and his team are here. And you go, okay, fine. But then Christian McCaffrey's up there because he's an amazing football player and he is kind of quietly powering his team to a lot of their victories. And then there was some early season conjecture about Tyreek Hill and then it was Dak Prescott, but then they lose or they get hurt and they miss time. And these are the dumbest of debates. And yet people get so wound up about it. Yeah, it's like people in Buffalo arguing with who has the best wing. Yes. Ranch blue. It's the ranch blue cheese level of stuff. I, this is the way I see it. Arguing about who should be the MVP of the NFL, but actually caring, actually being invested, putting emotional energy into this, is this, to me, it's like two people arguing over what frying pan out of the Williams-Sonoma catalog is better. And I'm over here with my $12 piece of shit that I bought at Kmart. Why? Because I don't have any. I don't have anything that matters. I'm broke. I am title poor. I don't have a Super Bowl. I don't have the one piece of hardware that matters most. I don't have the thing. Everything else is secondary. I don't care about any of it anymore. If you have the luxury, like it's a luxury thing. It's like arguing Lexus or Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And I'm over here just getting around in a Chevy Cruze. What are we talking about, Bills fans? Stop getting in your emotions about this. We don't have a Super Bowl. I could care. I could care less about an MVP trophy for my quarterback. If my quarterback can't go out there and win me a Super Bowl, I don't want him to have it. How about that? Does that make me a bad person? (laughs) I don't want Josh to get recognition for being great at his job if it doesn't culminate in a Super Bowl. 
How about that? Is that a terrible take? I'm no. sure it is. Everyone's mad at me now. No, I'm not. I, it, Chevy Cobalts also have Bluetooth now, just like Lexus's. You got to look at it that way. <laughs> Everyone's got Bluetooth now. There's a time period we didn't. <laughs> don't care. I, I kind of miss the CD player once in a while. I I literally see people like going to the mattresses over this fucking debate. And I say to myself, how many Super Bowl MVPs, Chris, maybe you can Google this. How many Super Bowl MVPs have won the, or no, how many regular season MVPs have won the Super Bowl the year they won it? Just look at the list. I'm sure it'll tell you. If you look at NFL MVP and then look at the list, Aaron Rodgers won it. Where'd that get him? Yeah. Kicked out at home in the playoffs. It's probably all Brady. That would be Mahomes, Brett Favre in 96, Steve Young in 94, Montana in 89, Bradshaw in 78, and Bart Starr in 66. And I believe that is per NFL.com. Huh. So, it's almost like being the NFL MVP becomes something of a runner-up trophy. Like, hey, man, you're really sweet. Your team didn't make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, who cares? Ugh. I can't stand to listen to people fight about any of this stuff anymore. And then also, the DeMar Hamlin comeback player of the year conversation... People are like, oh, well, you know, DeMar Hamlin's going to win, but Joe Flacco deserves And when you hear that argument, I'm scrolling through Twitter, and all I see are guys, first of all, they're all Cleveland fans. Second of all, they all look exactly like Mutt Petten. It's just bald dudes with beards in sunglasses inside for some fucking reason, yelling into their cell phone about... Well, this entire thing is a travesty if you don't give it to Joe Flacco because we know that he died, but... And it's like, (laughs) do you guys not... Do you hear yourselves? Like, I'm... I can be one of the... Like, I'm always credited with... For regardless of whether I'm being a good person or not, being self-aware. There is no self-awareness in the Ohio area, which isn't shocking to me. It's Ohio. Like I said, one more reason for us to sink that thing into the ground and just everyone's like, where do we what do we do with all of our landfills by 2045? I've got to start. You dig a hole. You literally just force Ohio into the ground and just start filling it in. They're no ca- one would notice. They're also campaigning for the Clevemore Bravens quarterback that destroyed like it, it's just like this full circle thing. Of yeah. Joe, you're, now you're cheering for Joe Flacco in Cleveland. The quarterback of the team that was stolen from you is now somehow your savior and the guy that you're, pan, you're standing mm-hmm. for. This is why you can't talk to other human beings on social media about sports in a productive fashion. It just doesn't exist. God bless the people who try. I'm not willing to. And for all the neckbeards out there in Ohio who are mad, I hope DeMar Hamlin wins it. I hope just so I can scroll social media and watch the vitriol because I'm a bad person and that's okay. And hey, Iman, should I, should I offer to change in the new year? No. Not <laughs> Turn to over s- a new leaf? Not to see a LinkedIn post that talks, <laughs> like inspires you. I was talking to Drew Gear the other day. Space, space, space. 
We're talking about resolutions. Space, uh, space, space. Guys, if I've ever ins- if I've if I've ever inspired any of you to anything, I hope it was something bad. And so, as we close out tonight's program, we bring to the show, as always, Mr. Alfartiaga to tell us how great the fucking Miami Dolphins are, as they still have a one-game lead in the AFC East. Or I think it's down to half two, a game. Two, is that how you two, say two, it? Two, 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 two games. Two games. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Eleven. Eleven is more than nine. Hey, listen. You, you don't. You listen. I learned math in North Carolina. Don't tell me. I, it sounded right. Mr. Alfartiaga from Three Yards Per Carry, who, first of all, as a sports fan, one of the themes of the show tonight, we're talking to everybody about New Year's resolutions. We obviously happen to think they're stupid, but what's your take? And as a sports fan, what is your resolution for 2024? Wow. As a sports fan for for 2024. Uh, Watch more Detroit, Detroit Pistons basketball. <laughs> Uh, okay, the first one's going to be basketball related. I'm not going to overreact to any more NBA games until April, maybe, because all of it is essentially useless until then. Okay, uh, I, I guess that's for basketball. For football, I will stay away from bold proclama- proclamations of who sucks and who's great in April, because you never really know. That's that's a uh, good one because I feel like I feel like that's where most talking heads get some get themselves in trouble. And the, for baseball, you know, I'm a Mets fan, so I'll see you guys in 2026. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if I was in, like like if I was still, I remember when I tried to get into baseball and the Mets were my team, and I said, okay, this is going to be it because they're on SNY. I can drink and watch them every single day. I, I know that there will be a sporting event that I can drink 10 beers and watch on the television somewhere in my home every single day. And the one thing I would tell people who were thinking about that is don't. <laughs> Just don't, don't do it. I remember, I remember being a, a, a little kid. My first introduction to like, you know, to like, you know, hardcore, you know, watching sports every single night. And imagine it's baseball season, right? So it was uh, being a Met fan from like 1983 to about 1991. And spending that those whole eight years like extremely invested, and at the end of it, we were like, "One World Series, really?" <laughs> all of this was about one measly World Series. That's all we got for all of this. Hey, he's an Orioles fan, so yeah. he knows. Yeah, I grew up. Uh, my friends, my friend's grandpa. He used to. There was a the channel. All the Orioles games were on. It was called HTS. He was like, he just get really drunk and say, "Hey, put hits on," and so it became like a tradition to always put hits on. Drink bud, what? Drink Bush Light and watch the Orioles, and they were awful in that time period. <laughs> I like the, one of the first years I paid attention was '88. Like I was really into it. Where it went 0 and 21. Yeah, and uh, the Mets also introduced me to the most pain I've ever felt uh, watching a team play. That was 1988, losing to the Dodgers in six in the NLCS. That was, in my opinion, and I'm I was a huge baseball fan. Not much more. Yeah, I'm not a big baseball fan anymore. But in my opinion, that was the best baseball team I had ever seen. 1988 Mets. The lost in the NLCS. See, where they where they killed it for me was the year that I, I tried getting on the bandwagon, Elf. I was like, this is it. This team could do some things. It's fun to watch. They're basically the Buffalo Bills of the Major League Baseball because they're always a day late and a dollar short. It came down to the final eight games of, I think, the 08 season. All they had to do is win one. 
One game gets you a playoff berth, and they somehow missed one. They lost every single one of them. That was the that was the year that they played the the Marlins and the Marlins were absolutely awful and they got swept right in Miami. I remember that. It's, I remember that. You know how I remember that? I bought tickets for that series and I didn't go to the third game. I was like, I'm, the, fuck <laughs> with this. the hell with this? I don't want to watch this shit no more. The Mar- there's a documentary to be had about how the Marlins have just ruined baseball mm-hmm. as this like outsider team that just like fuck shit up for for storied franchises. Oh, the Marlins! You you got to be down here to. to to get with the, uh, you know, the fandom that is the Marlins, because they build up so such goodwill with these individual teams that they've had. They had two World Series, yeah. okay, since nineteen ninety seven, and then what do they do? They just destroy the team the following year. Hey, we got no money, so <laughs> what are we gonna do? We're gonna find and draft. I'm gonna tell everybody, look, this kid Miguel Cabrera is gonna be pretty damn good. He's gonna be your signature player for twenty years. You win a World Series with him, and you ship him off. <laughs> he then and goes becomes one of the best right-handed hitters in the history of the sport. And, <laughs> and, he's, doing, ballot and he's doing it in Detroit, of all Detroit places. Detroit, of all places. And what do we really get for it? I don't remember what the hell they got for it. It's, it's amazing to see how sports angst exists at every single level. It's not just football. <clears throat> it's not just basketball. It's everywhere. Be, being a sports fan is pain. It's like I was talking about. Yeah. I, I, during our segment, we were talking about New Year's resolutions, and one of my things is I'm just going to find a way to internalize that pain from now on instead of trying to inflict it and debate it with other people on social media because that's for idiots. Now, you and your fan base have been involved in a lot of that. <laughs> I see a lot of you guys out there in your feelings. Let me ask you this. Do you think the way that you guys just got done narrowly winning over the Dallas Cowboys? You know, because there, there was a lot of talk after Saturday night. So, you know, here I am scrolling Twitter and I see a lot of Dolphins fans who are hyperbolic. You know, that one week they're all going to jump off a cliff. The next week they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. They come in. It's, oh, the Bills couldn't almost lost to Easton Stick. Oh, you guys are terrible. And then a team that we barnstormed, you guys took to the wire. And luckily, Sanders didn't botch that one. How, like, where do you think Dolphins fans should reasonably be emotionally coming out of that game? Uh, They should be riding sky high after that game. And I'm not one to be hyperbolic about it, but... Uh, we kind of told you all season, they have a good roster. They're going to be good. Okay? We've been doing this podcast for six years. They're going to outperform all of our predictions. Okay? They're just one win away from our ceiling prediction this year, which was Chris Coffin. He said 12 wins. I had him at 11 with a division title. And uh, I believe Simon had him at 11 with a wild card berth. So... They're gonna outperform all of those, which things. makes sense because if you think about where we thought the AFC was gonna go before all the quarterback injuries and all the detritus and kind of, I feel like the middle class of the AFC was better than people gave it credit for. I think at the yeah, well, well I, I made the I, I, my prediction was eleven and six, eleven and six for Miami and Buffalo, and ten and seven for the Jets, and six and eleven. For the Patriots. So if you take those wins and you throw them around and you figure out, okay, who absorbed those at the cost of some teams that were surprisingly bad, and then some teams like the Browns that were surprisingly good despite everything that's gone wrong. You know, they're a double-digit win team that's in the wild card simply because they're in the wrong division. <laughs> they would be winning mm-hmm. anywhere else. It's it's a really bizarre set of circumstances. 
watching the way the Dolphins kind of you know, gave life to the Cowboys in a way that the Bills didn't, I took a little bit of pleasure in that. Right? Like I did, like everybody else, I'm sitting here watching going, it feels gross and weird rooting for Dallas in anything because nothing makes me happier than seeing Jerry Jones sad. But it it was a thing where I'm watching this play out, and I go, okay, so the, the, the defense is kind of giving up some plays. The, the Dak Prescott and those guys are finding a way to make some hay. They're not playing them as physically as Buffalo played them. It's it, it, I'm just making notes and just observations as this game is going on. And then afterwards, you guys obviously get the win. And now you're going up against a Baltimore Ravens team that has been really impressive. And obviously, that's the story of the week. That's the game everybody's watching. It's it's the most, Iman, not hyperbole, the most important game in the AFC this weekend. Yeah, for everybody. It's not what the Bills are doing. It's not what anybody else here that we're going to talk to tonight is doing. It's Dolphins and it's Baltimore. Two teams playing for the inside track to the f- to, to the one seed. It's awesome theater to be watching from the outside. I just look at it, and I I have a question for you. Do you think that the performance of the Eagles, when it comes to teams like the Cowboys, or like the the AFC East, rather, against the Cowboys and the 49ers, and you you see what Baltimore did on Christmas Eve, or Christmas Day Eve, and you start to look at all of the stuff that the top teams in the AFC have done to the NFC. Is it fair to say that maybe their that whole conference might be somewhat overrated? I believe so. Although if you watch that game against the Ravens, uh, the Ravens and the 49ers, 49ers had 429 yards of offense. Mm-hmm. They averaged, I think, 6.9 yards per play. Mm-hmm. Uh, they outgain them in every single category. Those five turnovers, it's just too much to, to overcome. At one point, they had three interceptions, two of them inside of the 30-yard line, and the score was 13-12. So I think that that game was marred by those turnovers. And sure. I don't know if, if – yeah, those <laughs> turnovers don't me? happen. I, I'm, I'm guessing that the 49ers put that game away in short order, okay? Well, and this is the thing, though. This is what I look at when I think about Baltimore. You look at what the AFC is this year, and if there was ever a year where a team like Miami or a team like Buffalo could say, hey, we, why can't, why not us? Why not us this year? You look at that and you say, hey, the team that's going to finish with the number one seed, we're so used to seeing Kansas City in that role. We're so used to seeing the D- dynastic Patriots teams in that role. Uh, a couple times it was the Peyton Manning Colts in that role. Where you just go, they execute at such a high level of efficiency and their defense is so sound. They've got no major glaring holes. Every team coming into the playoff picture has problems. I I think if you look back over the course of the last month and a half, the Ravens have been winning football games, but they they play the Jaguars. And you go, okay, they'll stake a two-score lead. And that's usually where a really good defensive team would just shut things down and you everybody goes home early. And instead, the Jaguars find their way to fight their way back in the game. And then the, Jag, you know, the Ravens score again. Well, the Jaguars they'll go down and have a four-play freak scoring drive. They, you go back and you look over their game log. There's a lot of this, where they hemorrhage yards, where they give up 
points in the third and fourth quarter that make games a lot tighter than they should be. Now, it didn't happen this time against the 49ers because they just turned the ball over too much. But reasonably, I think that they might be the most vulnerable one-seed team at this point in the season I've ever seen. How does that make you feel heading into this week's matchup with them? And if you don't win this game, how worried are you about having to play Buffalo for the division in that high-pressure Week 18? Well, I'm not worried about playing anybody at home. We'll play the 85 Bears here. And okay. We, we, we don't care. You know I'm going to clip okay. that, right? <laughs> we'll yeah, you can play that. But uh, as far as the Ravens, it should give the Dolphins a little bit of confidence, uh, especially the way that they played against the the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know if you saw the start of that game. Tyreek Hill dropped a 94-yard touchdown to start the game. I don't know if you saw it. Then we hit uh, Waddle for a 50-yarder. He leaves the game with some type of high ankle sprain. Today they said they're not going to rule him out for the game on Sunday. Uh, one thing, you guys, I don't know if I've told you about this, but pound for pound, one of the toughest guys on this team is Jalen Waddle. Like, that guy goes out there sometimes and plays with a myriad of injuries. He played that game in the snow last year where he had a pretty big game. He had over 100 yards receiving. And he played that game essentially just – he had he was essentially put together by duct tape in that game against the, the Bills last year. And he managed to play. They might be getting Javon Holland back. They played that game without Javon Holland. They played that game without Mostert for the second half. They played that game with four backup offensive linemen. So you can see how they were just, you know, just trying to piece things together. They should be getting two of those offensive linemen back this week. And they should have the full complement the following week against Buffalo. So when you put all the things together, you got to feel, you got to feel pretty confident if you're Miami. It's just about not taking any more of these injuries because they've taken their fair share. Uh, the thing about the Dolphin injuries is they've only had one that's, that was fatal, and that was uh, Connor Williams and, of course, Jalen Phillips, their best pass rusher. But since he's gone on, you know, and, and he's in his rehab, the Dolphins have taken over one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Uh, I believe they're only one sack off of the lead, but they're number one in pressures, number one in quarterback hits, and number one in pressure rate. So the pass rush hasn't suffered. You know, they just can't take any more injuries because all the injuries that they've taken, they've all been the kind where, you know, okay, it's out for three or four or five weeks, but they'll be back. And they're expecting those guys back. But, I, you know, it's reached the critical stage. They managed to get out of the Cowboy game relatively healthy-ish, meaning they didn't get any more people hurt. So that's the way going forward. They just can't take any more injuries. And we're at the end of the season already, so. You know, it's it's not time to start looking at those guys. Some guys are just going to have to play nicked up. Well, <clears throat> I'm not going to lie to you. We're all going to be hate watching this game. All of us. Right? Like, everybody's going to be watching on their phones, scoreboard watching as we're sitting in the stadium, waiting to see who... <laughs> waiting to see who comes out on top in this one. Um, I guess I'll say here's to hoping that we have something to play for. Week 18, and this isn't a game where both teams bench their starters because there actually is nothing to gain. It there would, is a scenario where both would, teams lose, and it's essentially Week 18 is useless, right? Well, no. If both teams lose or if both teams win. <clears throat> because if we clinch and we can't go anywhere, we can't move our seating, we can't do anything else, you guys clinch the division by beating the Ravens this week, then the Bills have nothing to play for. So at that point, you would almost be better off saying, listen, if we know we've clinched a playoff spot, why would we risk Josh Allen's health? Why wouldn't we just throw Kyle <laughs> Kyle Allen to the to the sacrifice? 
As a sacrificial lamb, we'll put him out here. We'll have this game, whatever the hell that's going to look like. We'll give everybody a week of rest, and we'll get on the road and go see what we can win. I just feel like the, that's in the cards. Uh, so, like, let's say Miami wins, you guys win. You can't beat us week 18 to get the five seed and then play whatever bum comes out of the AFC South. It well, depends on what the muddled mush. It depends, I guess, what happens tomorrow night. Because realistically, if the if the Cleveland Browns see, this is where this playoff scenario machine gets you know, things get funky. Go, guys, go figure it out for yourselves. New York, the New York Times has a great playoff simulator, but I believe Elf that it comes down to what happens with the Browns. Because again, they're two games back out of the division lead, but they're the only double-digit wildcard team right now. So, and they have a good conference record. So Buffalo couldn't jump them, which means we're absolutely stuck behind them if they're a wildcard team. So, no matter what our record is, we're buried behind them. And then there's nowhere for us to go down because we'd be multiple wins ahead of everybody behind us in the field. It's just, again, there's scenarios here, and it's just interesting to see. If this weekend doesn't result in one of the most boring Week 18s any Bills or Dolphins fan could have planned for. It'll be a travesty, but it's a reality, and I can't wait to see how it pans out. Elf, in the run-up to this week's game against the Ravens, where can everybody find your work, and where can they follow you on social media? You can go on Twitter and check out all our work at the number three yards per carry. You want to listen to our podcast, it's also anywhere you get your podcast, the number three yards per carry. You want to join our Discord, it's discord.gg forward slash OnlyFans. And... You can bother us there for three bucks a month. You you can bother everybody. You can bother Elf because Elf is super active on Twitter. I'm a little disappointed to see you to, that I didn't hear you say you were going to argue with people less on Twitter about sports. Like I'm really disappointed that that's not a thing you're going to make a priority in 2024. Elf. <laughs> I might I might I might change there now that you know OnlyFans is kind of a success. You know I, I built my own Twitter. You know. <laughs> Well, that's the idea, right? That's the whole concept. Let me talk to people I like to talk to. Everybody else can go to hell. It's, it's, I'm a little disappointed, but either way, I love talking to you. I love talking to all of our guests. I love the fact that we get to do this year in and year out. I can't wait to see how this comes down to the wire, but for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. It's Iman Azizi. It's Chris Krueger. This has been your AFC's Roundup. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.